noches, good night. How are you all doing? ¿Cómo están? I'm going to be translating myself. Me voy a estar traduciendo yo sola. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm going I'm to do this service in English, if that's okay. And if I get in trouble by my superior priest at home, I probably will get little cachetadas or the chanclas. Um, basically, what I've been doing is I've been reading out of the book of Acts, only because I felt Maybe it was me, maybe it was the Lord. Either way, good, because it's his word to read. I know a lot of times people that come to church only read their, only read scripture when they come to church and not doing it at home. And I felt it was important to um, read out of the book of Acts because that's where we should be living. It's not something that's past tense. It's something that's that's happening now, today. Um, so if you guys want to help me read... And then if you guys have anything to say in between, um, you guys can. Anything you want to add. Chapter 8 is pretty short. We can hit 9 maybe too. Anybody want to start reading? No? No borrowing? No? No? Yeah, go ahead. Um, read the first six, six verses. So up to here we know that um, Stephen was a martyr. He was stoned because it would be legal to be speaking about Jesus, right? And so the context of this chapter is chapter 7, of course, where he just got stoned to death, and um, they laid, they laid their, what is it called, like their tunics? It says, and their own clothes at the feet of the young man named Saul. I always pictured, I always pictured Paul like an older, like an older man. And it says the young man. So I'm guessing he was what would be considered a young man back then. Maybe even less, like 16, because they. I think Mary wasn't Mary given to Mary so that she was like 14 or 15 or 16 so maybe about that age maybe 16 puberty age which would be what 12 13 or 13 12 that's a good Jewish question you could find a Jew who lives down the road from my house <laughs> and meaning knock at his door but I haven't gone <laughs> Anyways, okay, Pastor, go ahead. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were oppressed. That's an 
another point right there that demons are the ones that oppress Naga. It's demons. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So being paralyzed and lame is an oppression from Satan. Here we see it in the word again. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the, city, uh, in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they, they gave heed. Heed means, I'm reading out of the King James, okay? New King James. So heed is that they listened, they paid attention. From the least to the greatest saying, this man is, is the great power of God. In this man is the great power of God. And they heeded because he had astonished them with sorceries for a long time. So let's clear that up a little bit. Can can sorcery do miracles and signs? Because a lot of times that we're like in this culture, especially in the Mexican culture, where they go to curanderos and and people to do miracles or to like, what, what is that called? How can I translate it? When the, cuando le hacen trabajo a la gente. But it's like, like you know those um, voodoo, like the voodoo dolls and stuff? In Mexico, it's really like the it thing. We're so close to the, to the border. I remember, I know a lot of people that do it and that still talk about it. Like they'll take, yeah, they'll take like somebody's picture or they'll take uh, clothing of theirs or something that belongs to them. And then they'll, I want to say it's a warlock. Would it be considered a warlock, Miguel, or just a brujo? Either or? Because I know there's ranks, right? Um, anyways, they take it to them, and then they'll cast this spell. on. They'll make this voodoo doll, and they'll, like, put the picture, and they'll do all kinds of magic to it. So this is interesting to me that it says that he did a lot of great signs, right? Is that what it says? Simon, who prepared to practice sorcery in the city, astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming he was a power of God. Right? He, this is what he says, right? This is a great power. Right. So he did. I think they did do. They did do stuff. And I think that's why people are like, there is. It's no. And I think, and I think too, that a lot of people lose their patience with God. Like, they don't want to wait on God, so they, they rush to the dark side to get it done quicker. When it's negative anyway, because you can't get nothing. That's why I don't get it. Like, how can we get, you can't get fruits. You can't produce life from witchcraft. So it just, I don't know, it doesn't make sense. But anyway, just going back to that, that there is such things as magic within the demonic realm. And then it says in 11, and they heeded him because, because he di he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now then, so right there we're seeing, we, we're seeing a witch doctor here that was doing miracles or whatever, you know, fake miracles or magic or whatever, but it was nothing compared to what Philip was doing. 
because he was being astonished, like, what? What kind of power is this? He was experiencing demonic stuff, demonic magic and demonic power, but nothing compared to what Philip was learning. And then it says, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria, Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, whom when they had come down, prayed, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of our Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that throughout the laying of, of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Anybody have anything to say about that? <laughs> huh? <laughs> okay, in 20 it says, But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Have you neither part nor portion in this manner? For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent. Therefore, Okay, I want to stop real quick. So the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit was something, what do you guys think he saw and that's why he wanted it? It was power, right? Power to probably heal the sick, to bring miracles, signs, wonders. And when the Holy Spirit was offended, I think he was offended by the thought that it could be bought. That's why I don't understand Christians that think that they can buy their health going to the doctor. I don't get that. I think that's offensive to God. I think that's really offensive because he paid. He paid for it. It's free. So why should we be paying somebody to heal us when he said it was free? And I believe it all comes together. What do you think, Pastor? Am I off? So I believe, I honestly believe, I don't know about you guys, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I there's a lot of Christians that say <coughs> that God put doctors on the earth for people that are immature in Christ or that aren't there yet or that don't believe, but I don't think that's true. I don't believe, I don't believe that that's true because if it was true, then you shouldn't have to pay for it because Jesus never paid for, or Jesus was never paid to do a miracle in healing. Right? Or am, I, or am I off?
Yeah, they don't heal. That's the whole point. You're paying something that doesn't heal you. Right. And then you get messed up with other stuff because now you have complications from that medicine or you other reactions and stuff. And I'm not saying that I've <coughs> never been to the doctor. I was a freaking hypochondriac that had a pain and then I was running to the doctor. I'll be the first to say that. <coughs> and that that is what convicted me that either I was going to trust God or not trust God. Because all I was doing was putting my body through a bunch of unnecessary testing and I wasn't getting healed. But then at home I was experiencing a UTI and I told it to leave and it was gone in three days and I didn't need antibiotic for it. It was just the word of God that was spoken. So, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying to anybody like you're going to go to hell if you use a doctor. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that doctor shouldn't be our first choice. Or, you know, like, I'll be honest, it'll be, I don't remember if when I was supposedly COVID positive, and I say supposedly because I didn't feel crap, um, I don't remember if during that time last year in November, I took a Tylenol or not, I don't remember, but I want to say over, it's been over a year that I've taken a Tylenol or anything for pain, it's been more than a year that I don't take anything for pain. And I was, you remember Miguelito, I would wake up in the morning and I would have to pop in like, I was, when I would go to work, literally, and I'm not lying, the Holy Spirit is my witness, sometimes I would take up to 15 milligrams of Tylenol, super, the strength, super strength, whatever it is, whatever the heck it's called, to get through the day because I was always in pain. My legs were always hurting, my back was always, always I always had some type of pain when I would go to work. And I stopped. It was like my mind was already programmed. Like, oh, you're going to wake up, take your coffee, and then make sure you eat something so you can take the Tylenol so that you'll be fine throughout the day. Or if I had, like, a really busy day at home and I had to fold a bunch of laundry or I wanted to get deep cleaning done, I would pop those things like they were nothing because I was always in pain. And it's been over, well over a year that I've taken anything for pain. I haven't taken one over-the-counter medication in more than a year. That is for sure. I haven't taken a jack. Because I proposed in my heart that I was going to believe. That's what, that's what I did. And I'm just talking about my own personal conviction. I proposed in my heart. And I said, if you said you paid everything for me. And I even believe the way that Brother Dean Braxton said that Christians should not feel the pain of death. We shouldn't feel it at all. And I believe that's true because he paid for death too. So if he said that, then... I need to just trust him and believe and just fight off whatever the heck is going on. Okay, anyways, let's go back. Oh, one more thing I want to add. <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> this is why you will never see Pastor Alex or Pastor Kalani or anybody else in this body. I never saw it in other Christian churches. Christian churches. I never saw it where you had to pay to get married, where you had to pay for a service that was part of the word. Never had to pay for that. And that's also, I think it goes in with what this is, what was happening here, because he was trying to pay off a service. He was trying to pay for something that was supposed to be given free. Like, you go to church and you have to pay to give somebody their last, you know, they're doing a service for death and you got to pay three, $400, you know, for somebody to stand there and, recite a couple of verses or 
go to the funeral or to the um, cemetery to lay your loved one to rest, you have to pay for them to come. Like that, I, n I don't see it anywhere in scripture where any of the apostles, the great apostles, ever charged, did you? To do anything like that? No. Okay. So Pastor Alex, I'm holding you to that one too. <laughs> okay. Where are we at? stopped in the middle right uh, 22 it says repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray to God if he perhaps if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity then Simon answered and said pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come to pass. Did I skip what he said would happen to him? You have neither part nor portion in the matter. Repent. No. Okay. So when they had testified and preached the word. Am I skipping? I'm sorry, guys. Then Simon answered and said to him, pray to the Lord. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Who wants to read 26 to 30? Any brave person out there, out there, out there? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he was reading, which he read, was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before, I'm sorry, I can't see very well. And as a lamb before his shear, shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For this life, for his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered to Philip and said, I ask of you, whom of, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of, or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus unto him. So he's quoting I think he's quoting Isaiah or Jeremiah? Isaiah? So he's quoting Isaiah to this eunuch, and he's explaining to him that this was a prophecy about Jesus. And then it says, Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe, 
with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded, he commanded that the chariot, the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip was found as Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. How do you say that? Caesarea. So right here, I want to add two things. One, there is nothing that should stop you from being baptized if that's what you want, if you have belief. You don't need to go through an intensive course of any kind. You don't need to have anybody's approval. It doesn't have to be somebody superly ordained, right? Just making sure that we're on the same page, Pastor. Anybody can baptize, right? Any believer can baptize. Because there is denominations out there that teach that uh, certain ministers can only baptize or the bishop of the church or that you have to go through all these classes to to be baptized and they feel like it's their responsibility if you're living in sin to make sure to take you out of sin before they baptize you because then your sin will fall upon them somehow truly I have friends that believe this today and so there's this one particular denomination here in this area Rio Rico and Nogales that believes that if you're a new believer and you come to the church that you have to go through these big steps like three months preparation to get baptized because, like, if they baptize you, they have to make sure that they know your background, that you're not living in sin, and that you understand that you have to get to the baptizing pool completely out of sin. So then that defeats the purpose of the cross, right? <laughs> it completely defeats it because you're supposed to be going in as a sinner to come out as a believer, you know, clean and righteous and blah, 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 blah. So they'll teach that, and then they'll say, well, because if they don't understand who Jesus Christ is and then they, they get baptized and then they, and then they backslide, then it's gonna f their blood is going to fall upon you. And they quote, I think they quote Ezekiel. I'll have to find that scripture and show you. But they quote Ezekiel on that. And um, so that's not true. Right here, this eunuch didn't take any type of teaching classes, classes or, you know, he didn't have to go through fastings and all kinds of stuff to get baptized. He, he just said, what, what do I need? What prerequisite do I need? And he just said, believe. And that was enough to believe. And the other thing is, if we pay attention to this, he was caught up. That means God took him physically. By the time the eunuch came out of the water, they, you know, Philip was gone. He was put at a different part of, of the city or the town or the state, wherever the heck he was. And then he, he preached again. And like I said before, I gave a testimony of a sister that I know today. She's, she's alive today. And I want to invite her to see if she'll come and give her testimony about when she's been transported to different places. And she believes that it is in the flesh at the same time in her spirit where she's been put on different parts of this planet to preach the gospel. And then a bunch of people get saved. And then she wakes up and then she's at home. 
back in the same place where she was when she left. And so that's crazy too. So that's proof that it does happen. Anybody want to add anything to the baptism? To the being caught up? Transported? No? Okay. I'll read. And it's, it's crazy to me that you mentioned that because I feel like us as Christians right now are put under a lot of pressure right now. Like we're put up against so much pressure right now to even preach and to be out there. And that's, that's crazy. And then again, it's just God saying again, because it's not about you, Karina. It's about what I want to do with people because my heart is that nobody would perish. At any time that you're ready to serve God, he's going to be faithful no matter what. Okay, anybody want to read? Or did Cooper feel? No? No? Okay, just five? It is hard for you to kick against the... Oh, okay. Okay. There you go. So he, he trembling, huh? Okay. So here's, here's another sacred cow, too. Um, there are denominations that teach that God doesn't speak. And this is funny because... This is after Jesus was already resurrected, and he's speaking. So, yes, he's speaking. I don't know how people don't get that, but anyways. So he trembling, astonished, and then that's another thing, too. If he said that he spoke to his apostles, and then people are like, well, after the apostles die, well, it's, you know, it's not the same. It's a different era. 
It doesn't pertain to us anymore. Well, he said he's not a respecter of person, right? So if he spoke to Paul, why isn't he going to speak to me? Right? Okay, I'm going through the Bible. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And this is crazy because... Sorry, I don't want to get freaking emotional, but... This is somebody who was persecuting the church and didn't even believe in Christ. And the minute he heard his voice, he said, Lord. And so I question myself, how many times do I have to hear him say to me, believe? How many times do I have to hear him say to me, Corina, yes, I told you to do this. How many times do I need to hear him say, yes, I told you to go do that? And it's just like a reflection for me to check myself and make sure that I am making him Lord every single day. And it doesn't matter how many times I've confessed him, but am I making him Lord every day? Am I obedient to him every day? Because it's not accepting the Lord one time and now, you know, he's my Lord. It's obeying him every day you make him Lord. This, that's just for me. I don't know if anybody has anything to add to that or to say different. But I think every day he speaks and every day he should be Lord. Not just on the day that we want to repent and say, oh, I want to be saved because I don't want to go to hell. You know, it, it says, make him Lord and Savior. It's Lord first. And what's a Lord? It's somebody that has dominion over you. It's somebody that you're submitted to and you, you abide by what he says and you do what he says. And you believe him. That's the most important thing is believing him. And I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't obey him every day. I don't. I'm not a perfect person. I, I don't obey him every day. And he checks me up on it because not that he's... You know, saying, I, Corina, not like that, but just his word. It's his word that gets me back into conviction and says, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't believe you today. I'm sorry I didn't trust you today. I'm sorry that I got my emotions, and I'm sorry, God, that my feelings and these physical stuff that goes on and world stuff that goes on, and I forget what you've spoken. So I just want to put that out there. Anybody want to add anything? So he, trembling, astonished, already said that, right? Okay. And the Lord said, arise and go into the city, and, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there... And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. So here he is blind. He's not eating. They had to lead him to where they had to go. He wasn't the only cuckoo that heard a voice. It was the people that was with him that also heard this voice. And it says, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive sight. 
here again, guys. It just messes, just messes me up how, how God can forgive somebody that persecuted his church. This guy was bad. He was there in agreement when he saw Stephen being stoned. And how right here Jesus is like, I'm going to use him. It's just, it's crazy to me. Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, he sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened and Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Anybody want to read next? We'll just finish the 10 and then we'll get out of here. Or anybody want to add to that? Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydia. Lydia. There he found a certain man named Aeneas. How do you pronounce that? Aeneas, who who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. And he arose immediately. So all who dwelt in, Ly in Lydda, Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. 
At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorca, Dorcas. The woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did, but it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him to, to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. All the windows, all the widows stood by him, weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put, put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter's when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then she gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and, all, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon and Tanner. So do the disciples have power to raise the dead? Yes. Do we still have that power? Yes, because he is still here today. So I haven't seen one, but I will see one. Because he said that he's not a respecter of person, and I'm holding him to his word. And I've already tried. We've tried a couple of them. And I have them named. So God has to give me a thousandfold. A thousandfold. That would be... How many, how many have we prayed for? Mm, two? Two? So a thousandfold, that's two thousand. Two thousand resurrections that I must see. Okay, anybody want to add anything? Anybody have any testimonies? No? No good testimonies? Okay. Well, you guys are dismissed.